This is the IEEE USA Insight Podcast, Episode 24, a program featuring news, information, and updates from IEEE USA headquarters in Washington, D.C. I'm your host, John Yaglinski, and this month, Victoria Bannon brings you Millennial Moment on Work-Life Balance. We interview Adam Kelly, Chief Technology Officer at Detect, Inc., and Georgia Stelludo updates you on ebooks and conferences, including the upcoming IEEE Sections Congress in Sydney, Australia. In the news, the WISE interns have arrived at the IEEE USA Washington, D.C. offices. Each year, WISE sponsoring societies select outstanding engineering students from among their memberships to participate in the nine-week WISE program in Washington. Students discover how government officials make decisions on complex technological issues while at the same time learning how engineers and scientists can contribute to the legislative process and regulatory decision making. They join the thousands of other young professionals that intern in the Washington DC area this summer. Are you a YP with a cool job? Maybe an interesting engineering idea. Do you love social media? Pad your resume with the IEEE USA Influencer Program and share your STEM-related ideas with our social media team. Email media at IEEE.org for more information. Trying to brush up your resume? Submit it to IEEE's Resume Lab, an exclusive member perk to gain a competitive edge in the hiring process. You can get feedback on your resume, participate in a mock interview, and even create a video resume. Check it out today by going to IEEE.org slash Resume Lab. This is Victoria Bannon with Millennial Moment. This month, we'll be focusing on managing work-life balance. We live in a world of yes. We've been taught to hustle, to take every opportunity that is offered to us professionally, and to never, ever say no to anything. But that can backfire hugely and actually leave workers feeling burned out. This can feel especially true if you're a young professional trying to prove yourself, trying to balance your projects, navigate office politics, and trying to keep up with your own personal obligations can be extremely difficult. And if you have a side hustle, as more than one third of millennials do, it can feel like you hardly have time to eat, much less relax. Work-life balance is important, but in today's world, it can seem more like a luxury than a necessity. But having a balanced life actually improves the quality of your work. But how can you fit it in? A method of maintaining work-life balance that has been gaining momentum in the United States is the hygge movement. Besides being a very funny word, hygge is a Danish movement that advocates for relaxed living. It literally translates to coziness, but what it basically means is maintaining a work-life balance through self-care. You can find a full list of Hugye-approved activities online, from wearing cozy pajamas when you get home from work, to turning off your phone after five, but the basic principles can be defined as smelling the roses, or enjoying the simple pleasures that life offers. No matter how busy your day is, you can incorporate some elements of Hugye in both your personal and professional lives. Here's how I do it. I'm just like everybody else. I have a long commute, a full-time job, and an active life with plenty of responsibilities. And I love it. But I don't have much time to have picnics or go on long bike rides like the Hygge lifestyle advocates. But I've learned to look for opportunities to practice self-care. For example, I have a long commute, which can be a real suck on my energy if I let it. However, I've tried to make ways to make that long commute work to my advantage by incorporating hygge. 
for example, I use the long car ride to listen to audiobooks and podcasts. And when I get to the train station and I'm on the train, I read books. Both of these activities are things that I love and they help me relax and make me actually look forward to my commute every day. See if you can find similar opportunities in your life. I know that self-care can feel like just another thing that you have to put on your calendar, but it doesn't have to be another burden. It can be as simple as enjoying a cup of coffee without distraction. And lucky for your boss, work-life balance has been proven to improve worker productivity. So try it today and watch your professional life blossom. Also, our social media channels are expanding. Follow our LinkedIn page, which is already set up, and make sure to keep an eye out for our new Snapchat, which launches this month. And if you aren't following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, you should get on that right now. I'll see you all next month. In the IEEE USA Insight Spotlight, we bring you close up to a newsmaker or public figure with a quick one-on-one interview. This month, we speak with Adam Kelly, Chief Technology Officer at Detect Inc. Adam discusses how criminal organizations can use unmanned aerial systems to smuggle illegal goods and people over borders and prison walls. The technology is readily available and not very expensive. Adam, thank you very much for joining me. We're here at the IEEE Technologies for Homeland Security Symposium, and I just heard your talk about uh, UASs, Unmanned Aerial Systems, and we talked about some of the the, uh, good ways those systems could be used and some of the nefarious ways they could be used. Tell me about your company, Detect. How do you help governments and private companies uh, in this unmanned aerial space? Detect is is a remote sensing company and and primarily we've used radars for detecting things like birds and knowing where birds are you can you can use that to to mitigate risk so for example um, the space shuttle the last 21 launches we used a a, um, radar system to make sure that the ascent trajectory was was clear when you um, have technology that can detect things with relatively low radar cross-section then you have technology that can be employed for unmanned aerial systems Um, so the presentation this morning was looking at different remote sensing technologies and, and how they can be applied in the risk management process of um, mitigating the negative sides that the unmanned vehicles can, can have. And you gave an example of, a, of an Ohio prison yard where, and I'm sure this has happened more than once, but where somebody flew in some contraband using a, uh, a UAS and it uh, led to a free-for-all and, and it could have escalated to a riot. And, and that's right. It's, it's not just the contraband and, and the issues that having drugs in prison um, present. It's how they're introduced. And in, in, a, in a prison yard scenario, it's easy for a free fall to break out, and that's a security issue um, of, of having to break up what may be rival gangs fighting over the, the, the contraband. Um, and that could easily escalate um, and, and end up with a lot more significant event 
you've gone from something that was simply executed with, with a few hundred dollar unmanned system and has now escalated into a prison riot. And so it's looking at these are the potential things that can happen. Where do we put the assets? What do we need to do to minimize the possibility of this happening and seeing the most extreme outcomes come about? And so do you have some technologies and you're working on technologies where the, the good guys can detect these things that are coming in and, and, and of course, uh, they don't want the false alarms of it being a bird. And, and, and that's where it's critical. You know, the name of the company is Detect. We're about finding things and in, in, in geolocating them and, and turning it, that into information that, that can be used and knowing what is a bird target. And, and as I outlined in the presentation this morning, uh, our most recent waterfowl surveys show that we have s somewhere just under 50 million ducks in, in North America. They move around. They have wings to migrate and move. And so that's the sort of noise background that you have to work against when you are trying to detect these things, which are relatively small radar cross-section. We have an enormous population of birds. And there's plenty of examples through history of um, detection systems, motion detection systems that are triggered with lots of false alarms from the wildlife that's out there moving around. And we need to avoid that. So it's making sure that people understand this is the background that you are going to have to work against. You may have the perfect sensor that can pick up on one of these vehicles every single time, but if it's also picking up on the very abundant bird population that's out there, then we haven't moved the process forward where we have an effective solution. Mm -hmm. So now down on our southern border, we not only have people being smuggled, we have drugs being smuggled, we have terrorists uh, coming across with, with, uh, with, with, with immigrants, we have, we have guns going largely from the United States into uh, into Mexico and South America. Uh, what, what, what do you, do you think, uh, can your system also help the, the Border Patrol to do their job a little better? Yes, and we, we saw multiple presentations this morning talking about the newer technologies, how we can fuse multiple sensors together to affect securing the border in a, in a three-dimensional sense, not just the two-dimensional border wall, um, be, but being able to control the airspace and detect what's moving through the airspace. Um, and if we don't start to apply those technologies and improve them and bring new capabilities to bear, um, we will lose the ability to control our borders. Um, we have unmanned aerial systems now that you, you can buy commercially that can pick up three and five hundred kilogram payloads. That means that people can easily come over um, border fences. Uh, it means that drugs can go one way and, and arms can or money um, can go back the other way. Uh, it, it, it's a complete game changer that where it would cost hundreds of thousands of dollars for a helicopter required an experienced and trained pilot. Uh, now this is something that anybody can procure the, the equipment on the internet um, and can execute the mission with relatively little uh, training and, and skill. Um, this is mostly taken care of by the, the technology that's in the vehicles themselves. Um, so that ability to execute those types of um, 
um, incursions across our borders or any facilities uh, perimeter fence. Uh, the, the, there are a huge number of options for criminal um, and terrorist use of, of that capability moving forward. So it seems like we're, it, we're, we're probably going to hear shortly about a, one of these UAS systems that's capable of, of handling a larger pay, payload, uh, getting a prisoner out of a prison. I think that that's just a, a matter of time. Um, and I think that anybody who relies on a, on a perimeter fence today, um, they're thinking in a two-dimensional way of keeping the world out in uh, an unmanned vehicle um, will enable you to violate that perimeter fence. And uh, so the, the, there's a lot of ways that criminal enterprises can, can use that to uh, further their own ends. And the, the coyotes, the human people smugglers in, in uh, largely on our southern border, I imagine they're probably going to start using this technology too. You were telling me a little bit earlier it, it doesn't really cost that much and it, it, uh, it doesn't have to be that uh, technologically advanced. It, it doesn't. And uh, you, you can uh, lift somebody over... Uh, uh, a fence, even if it's uh, 30 or 40 meters high, that fence can still be scaled. And if you can lift, um, we've got vehicles coming onto the market that can lift um, 800 kilograms. So that's several people that can come over in, in, in one flight. And uh, the Border Patrol shows up, you can very easily move to another location. And, and, and it's it's going to mean that our entire expansive uh, border is, is, is much more easily violated than it, than it has been in the past. Uh, I know you can't reveal everything, but is, is, is your company working with uh, Homeland Security? We have worked with um, Homeland Security in the past, uh, testing um, remote sensing technology on, on the north and, and, and south borders. Um, and it's an area that, you know, we will continue to move our technology towards uh, supporting those areas in the future. Now, you told me recently about a visit you had with a U.S. senator, and uh, also you brought along your 12-year-old son, and some of the things he's doing with his unmanned aerial system uh, helped, helped show the senator that a lot of these technologies, these geolocation technologies that are being developed are are easy to overcome. Yep, so we, we have uh, where um, many of the commercial systems that you can buy now um, off the shelf, you could go to Best Buy and, and, and buy one of these unmanned systems. They have geofencing where if you're approximate to an airfield or, or some other critical infrastructure, uh, you can't activate the system to fly. And um, I took my son along uh, for his knowledge of the Internet. Um, we live in a world where you, you don't have to go to the library. You pull your cell phone out and, and you can look up whatever you want. Um, and he was able to explain to the senator the uh, multiple ways that you can work around those geofencing uh, that he could find on the Internet. That's the education system that's out there. Uh, that we may think that these are very 
robust uh, systems that can protect us and, and there's usually fairly simple exploits that can be done to work around them. So he was able to um, explain those to the senator and give him a moment of appreciation of um, just how difficult it is, even with uh, what appears like an effective technology, um, to, to provide a, a completely secure environment. And you were saying that these uh, DGI Phantom UASs are essentially a commercialization of cruise missiles. Would you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, if, if you look at um, what an unmanned vehicle represents, it has precision navigation, has the ability to put in waypoints and, and, and fly uh, a pre-programmed uh, mission. It has the ability, even if it's a small payload, to carry a payload. And, and we can see in the, the example of the Ohio prison uh, was taken in with a DJI Phantom. You had a cell phone and, and drugs and, and other forms of contraband on the vehicle. That even these small payloads can be delivered with precision. And uh, the point being that the level of sophistication that we have on these vehicles is comparable to where we were with, with cruise missiles 15, 20 years ago. Um, so we have managed to go from million dollar, multi-million dollar um, systems uh, to something that can cost several hundred dollars and, and can be obtained uh, pretty much anywhere, um, commercial off the shelf. And so it, it's, it's knowing and understanding that that type of precision mission capability is, is there um, and can be exploited by people that want to use it to violate our different security mechanisms that we, that we have grown accustomed to being able to use. Mm -hmm. So whether a more extensive wall or fence is built along the southern border or not, Definitely, technology has a is already playing a key role, but it sounds like it's going to have an even more key role to play in the future. Yes, what we saw with the other presenters this morning, um, where they were talking about passive and active technologies and how we cite those sensors and how we fuse the data together from those, all of that is going to be incredibly important in securing not only our borders um, but our critical infrastructure and uh, the places where people aggregate. Uh, those are places that would potentially be terrorist targets. And, and we need to secure all of those environments. And it's going to take layered sensor technology and, and fusing that data together to give you that big picture and make it as difficult as possible for somebody to penetrate through that airspace. Well, Adam, thank you very much for your time and, and sharing your, your knowledge and expertise. It's been uh, very enjoyable for me, and, and I certainly hope our listeners uh, enjoy listening to this broadcast. Thank you, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. And now here are some updates for IEEE USA eBooks and the IEEE USA conference calendar. IEEE members can now download the following IEEE USA eBooks for free. Until July 15th, the award-winning Women in Engineering Book 2, Passion, Perseverance, and Making a Difference. Go to shop.ieeeusa.org, log in with your IEEE web account, add the book to your cart, and use promo code JUNFREE17 at checkout. 
from July 1st through August 15th, Developing Your People, Common Sense Leadership in the Workplace, Volume 2, Employment Development Strategies. Go to shop.ieeeusa.org, log in with your IEEE web account, add the book to your cart, and use promo code JULFREE17 at checkout. And IEEE USA's new audio ebook, Staying Sharp Volume 1 Tips for Staying Sharp Inside Your Company, is also still available free to members. Go to shop.ieeeusa.org for the download link, plug in your headphones, and listen to this first of its kind audio ebook from IEEE USA. IEEE members, go to shop.ieeeusa.org today to download all three of your free IEEE USA ebooks. And be the first to get the new IEEE USA ebook, Developing Your Path, a guide to landing your dream career by author John Collins, an engineering program manager at Snap Inc. This book is only $2.99 for members. Go to shop.ieeeusa.org to get it today. And looking at IEEE USA's conference calendar, take a trip down under to the IEEE Sections Congress 2017 on the 11th through 13th of August in Sydney, Australia. IEEE's triennial flagship event will bring together IEEE grassroots leadership from every member country to explore how IEEE can better serve its members. And plan ahead for the 5th Annual IEEE International Conference on Wireless for Space and Extreme Environments, WISI 2017, October 10th through 12th in Montreal, Canada. For more information on upcoming conferences and to register, go to IEEEUSA.org conferences. Don't miss these great opportunities. I'm Georgia Stelludo for IEEE USA. Mark your calendars. The next Future Leaders Forum is scheduled for July 2018. Whether you were with us in New Orleans last year or not, you won't want to miss the 2018 Future Leaders Forum, July 26th through 28th, 2018, at the University of Texas, Austin. The Future Leaders Forum will help you develop the skills and confidence to achieve, whether as a great company leader, successful manager, or the most effective team member. Learn how to assess your leadership style, identify and manage career risk, communicate your worth, and realize your full potential. Visit futureleaders.ieeeusa.org to view videos from last year's forum and to stay in the know about our 2018 event. This has been the IEEE USA Insight Podcast. Join us again next month as we take a look at news, information, and updates from IEEE USA. If you have feedback you'd like to share, please connect with us by commenting on our IEEE USA Insight article Send us email at insightpodcast at IEEEUSA.org or visit Facebook at facebook.com slash IEEEUSA or even Twitter at IEEEUSA. I'm John Yaglinski. Thanks for tuning in.